Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker sponsored by 888 Poker. It's a podcast that aims to introduce all of us to the players that we already know so well in a totally new way. This isn't going to be a strategy discussion for poker. For this podcast, I'm using a modified set of the questions developed by psychologists 25 years ago to try to see if they could get total strangers to fall in love. I've shortened the list for our time constraints and I've updated some of them, but otherwise, these are the questions that they came up with to try to find a shortcut to get to know someone on a deeper level fast. Now, my guest today is high stakes poker pro Jennifer Harmon. Jennifer was inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame in 2015, and for good reason. She is one of the names, one of the faces that really made poker what it is. She has two World Series bracelets and was the first woman to do that in open events. But her real bread and butter, what she's known for, is the super high stakes cash games. She was a regular in Bobby's room, an active part of the corporation that played Andy Beale for the highest of stakes. She even wrote the chapter for Limit Hold'em in Super System too. So no wonder she has so many good stories. What a life. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you. It's been a while since we've actually seen each other. So um, this is a bit of a catch up. Hi, Kara. How are you? Good. I'm all right. It's been it's been a weird year. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's been a weird year. How has it been for you? Well, you know, it's um, it's challenging. Mm. But yeah, into perspective, I loved when there was a two week quarantine because I saw videos of animals coming out and it, it was like the world needed to like stand still, relax for a little bit. So that two weeks or month I thought was, was good for the, good for the earth, good for the economy or not the economy, mm-hmm. sorry, not good for the economy, <laughs> the environment. but you know, now it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's yeah. a challenge. It really is. And I mean, I think a lot of your fans will probably know that that you had an organ transplant years ago as well. So for people who have, you know, pre-existing conditions or things that might make it worse, it must be the idea of a weird new virus can't be can't be a comforting thought. <laughs> well, it's definitely scary if you know if I ever if I get it. Uh, you know, I take medicine that suppresses my immune system. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely compromised. And uh it's it's scary. Yeah. Um, you know, I I'm basically on house arrest. I <laughs> home. And it's such a long time. Like you said, you know, for 2 weeks it was kind of a novel experience and now wow, we're I mean this is this is a really long time. Yeah, I know. I'm going into I guess 7 months. Yeah. Quarantine. You know, I'm mm-hmm. lucky that I have I have a house and you know, the weather's really nice and I get to spend a lot of time outside in my house, you know, in my backyard and mm-hmm. take walks and things like that. But, you know, I, I'm fortunate I have that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were on a farm for the first almost seven months of this. Um, and that was amazing. And I'm grateful too, because I mean, I, I have a two-year-old and I don't think she could have been stuck in our city apartment for that long. There's, you know, no green space or anything. But yeah, it does. It it really does give you a, a weird new focus, I think, on life and what kind of things you like to do and what kind of things you wish you could do. So like, what are some of the things that you've really that you've missed, do you think? And what are some of the things as well that maybe you've kind of taken out of this that you think are are good things that maybe you've learned through it? 
Oh, well, you know, the things I've missed is I miss just going out, going for coffee. Mm, yeah. <laughs> going to a restaurant, that kind of thing is mm. what you know, I miss. I mean, I don't live a very extravagant life, mm-hmm. but, you know, it would be nice to maybe get on a plane and go on vacation or, you know, <laughs> playing the World Series of Poker. That was, you know, that's one of the best times of the year. And yeah. we didn't get to do that, but... Mm. Yeah, that was weird. That was really strange to have like the months of May and June and the beginning of July go by. And, you know, I just kept getting reminders from like, this happened last year. This is your photo from two years ago. And it was obviously all the World Series. And uh, yeah, it just it's like the technology won't let us forget exactly what we're missing as well. So that doesn't help. Yeah. Okay. So there are three sets of questions that we're going to go through. They get, you know, they start pretty easy. They get a little bit more personal as we go on. If anything I ask you, you know, you don't want to answer, obviously you do not have to answer it, but they're not that bad. Um, We're going to start with one that's actually pretty easy considering the situation we're all in right now. So what would be a perfect day for you if you could have anything for one day? Oh, perfect day. A perfect day for me is being able to do everything I want to do with no responsibilities. Oh, yes. So I wake up, you know, maybe go have breakfast, eggs and pancakes, Hmm. Uh, you know, maybe go hiking or hang out by the pool or do some kind of activity that I love to do, go skiing, go water skiing, just no responsibilities. I would love to just have no responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like paradise. It really I, does. You know, I'm I'm pretty, you know, I'm a pretty simple person. I don't live this extravagant life. So the simple things in life is what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So perfect days would be to go to an animal shelter and volunteer and walk the dogs or. Mm. Or, you know, just do what I want, whatever makes me happy. Yeah. Perfect day for me. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a point there. I think that would actually be a pretty perfect day for me too. Um, Okay. Next question. Do you believe in the idea of love at first sight? (laughs) I do. You do? I do. Wow. Has that actually happened to me? Really? Yes. So I think- incredible. I was playing poker in my 20s, and I was playing in a 3060. I I just remember this so well. I was playing in a 3060 limit hold'em game, and I was facing the stairs, and this guy walked down the stairs, and we made eye contact, and I was instantly in love with him. Wow. That's a pretty incredible connection. And to this day, I still... He is deeply in my heart. Huh. We still communicate and we're still very close. We were married, but it just didn't work out. And that's mm-hmm. how I got the name Harmon. Oh, wow. That's so, incredible. And you kept the last name. Yep. I kept the last name. That's beautiful. You know, it's funny because I actually, I was married before uh, to someone incredible and wonderful. And I actually... Uh, kept his last name <laughs> and I got married again and I still have his last name. So that's, yeah, I can kind of understand where you're coming from with that. 
Yeah, that's, and, that's, you know, that's odd because most people don't. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For me, it was also, I mean, um, he passed and it was a way of kind of keeping his memory as well. I mean, we weren't together at the time, but uh, it just, it kind of, it was meaningful to me. We were together a long time. So, yeah. So you still have a, a love for this person, even though it's evolved into a different kind of love. Yes, hmm. exactly. We still, like I said, we're still very close. We still communicate. I communicate with his family. Uh, you know, I just, yeah, we're just yeah. still very close, but couldn't seem to work it out to different people. Yeah. But it was love at first sight. Mm. Okay. Well, that <laughs> I've never experienced love at first sight. So I, I'm always fascinated by people who have. Um, another question here. When did you last sing either to yourself or to someone else? When did I last sing? Oh my gosh. I have the worst <laughs> voice ever. <laughs> and I wanted to be a singer for a living when I was a kid. Really? What kind of music would you have done? Uh, you know, pop, rock, that kind of nice. music. Nice. I, you know, I, I really wanted to sing. My sister got the voice and I didn't. It ah. was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> so if you even ask Daniel, I mean, my voice, I am so toned down. It's really? Pretty. You can't even sing happy birthday. Is it that kind of? It's bad. Wow. It's, um, I used to sing Christmas carols to my kids to, put them to sleep when they were really little though. Oh, that's the only thing that I could kind of carry a tune to. Mm -hmm. They're the kind of things that you sang so many times as kids that, yeah, I can, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, my saying was a long time ago, I guess. Really? Huh. Well, maybe not. Maybe I, maybe I in the shower, like I sing in the car when I'm by myself. So probably yeah. a week ago when I was, um, driving to drop something off to my to one of my boys mm -hmm. nice okay um what would the person who knows you best say is one of your most annoying habits uh it's not a habit it's a ritual which is kind of sad but i wake up in the worst moods every day and it's and if you know me you know, to give me like 15 to 20 minutes and I'm good. I mean, I don't, I don't wake up taking it out on anybody. I just wake up in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, just don't talk to me for 15 minutes. <laughs> and we're good. It's no, they know not to talk to me. It's like, you know, just, just let me be. Mm -hmm. And then, good. then I'm, then I'm fine throughout the rest of the day. So I guess that would be my most annoying thing about me. Hmm. Okay. Well, what would they say is one of your best qualities then? Uh, the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> um, my best qualities is that I'm very honest and I'm very giving and uh, I'm not very selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I think about you, one of the things that always kind of pops out into my head is the charity work that you do, and especially with animals. So the giving kind of side of your nature must really play into that. Is that still something that you're really passionate about? I do. 
Um, yes, I am. I love mm -hmm. animals, any kind of animals. So yes, that still is a huge passion for me. Mm -hmm. It can be very rewarding and very sad. Yeah. But it's a big yeah. passion. Kids mm -hmm. and animals. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to um, foster uh, older dogs. Um, we live in the city now, and it's not something that I can do, but uh, it just breaks my heart, the idea of dogs kind of getting towards the end of their life and then being put up, you know, into shelters. It's just it's absolutely heartbreaking to me. Um, and they need more fosters for aged dogs, I think. I feel the same. I, you yeah. know, I feel that if you get a dog, you're, you're, you're there for their entire lives. Right. Yeah. So it's sad when the older dogs get Huh. Give to for puppies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so what in life makes you feel the most grateful or for what are you the most grateful? Well, I have to put my boys first. That's mm -hmm. what I'm most grateful for is them and their health and the love that I have for them. I, you know, kids are, are the best, hmm. and, you know, that's what I'm most grateful for. Yeah. And, then, and then my health, obviously, but mm -hmm. has to be my kids. Yeah. It's kind of a hard one not to, to answer that way for sure. <laughs> I never would have thought that I would answer it that way. Then you have kids and then, and then that's what you say. So <laughs> I understand it now. Um, okay. Here's one that's a little bit more complicated. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and you could keep either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? The mind, obviously. Yeah. The mind of a 30-year-old, for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I want to keep both. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> it definitely be the mind. Yeah. So that kind of like the mental life for you is more important than, I don't know, the hiking and the whatever, parasailing and ultra oh, marathons. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I don't know. I, I still, I still pick the mind. Yeah. I think I would too. I think I go back and forth on it, but yeah, I think I'd pick the mind too. Um, okay, here's another one. This one gets a little more personal. If you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? Now, it could be anything at all. It doesn't have to be anything big. Gosh, I had a great childhood. Um, the way I was raised, I would, I would say, um, hmm better education mm -hmm. uh, you know my dad was not really much of a good father support more love for my father mm -hmm. uh, you know my mom was amazing but my mom did get sick when I was in high school and died while I was in high school so oh, I was I'm sorry her around more because she was such a great influence mm -hmm. she's the one that taught me my morals and my 
you know, to be strong and hmm. my, you know, all about all my mindset. She was just an amazing role model. So to have her around a little bit longer would have been one of the best things ever. Right. Huh. And you say that you had an amazing childhood, just like what kind of stands out for you as, as the really bright spots of that? Like, what are, what are some of the things that you had in your childhood that you try to give to your kids, for example? I just, you know, I had great childhood friends that I got to play mm -hmm. with. And, you know, it was, it was just all about, I was always happy. Always yeah. got to play, you know, not, like I said, not responsibilities. Just my mom, you know, let me be who I am. Hmm. wasn't judgmental, wasn't, you know, just was a, basically guided me. And that's what I do hmm. with my kids. I guide them. I mean, I don't even think I discipline my kids. Hmm. I just guide them. We talk yeah. a lot and we, we communicate and I just kind of guide them through lives, through their lives. And I love them. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what my mother did with me. I don't think I was ever grounded or punished. No, there was just a lot of communication there. Huh. Yeah, a lot of what I read about um, parenting, obviously when I was gonna become a parent, I, I read everything I could find and the theory of parenting that really stuck out to me as being closest to my own values is one that is basically what you're saying. It's not about kind of punishment and discipline, it's about connecting with your children so that they want to follow you, that they want to be guided, that they trust you to guide them. And for me, that's always been, I don't know, she's only two and a half, but it seems to be working so well, so well, so far. So for you with your, with your boys, you know, that kind of approach seems to be, that's a, that's a good approach for you. I think so. I think it's mm -hmm. harder as they get older because they become more independent in their thinking and things and you mm -hmm. just have to stay in touch with them and, you know, make sure that they're thinking the right way. But, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not as easy. I don't think because you don't have these set things in place, even though, you know, people say that kids need structure and things like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure about that with my boys. Mm -hmm. No, I think I'm raising really good kids. I could be wrong, but from what I'm seeing, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of toot my own horn here and I'm, you know, but we were in the pool and they were talking to each other and I was just kind of off on the sidelines and they basically said, one of them said to the other one, don't you hope that your kids respect us like we respect our mom? Wow. And I was like, whoa. Wow. That was that that's pretty awesome that that they actually noticed that and said that to each other. Yeah, that points to not just how they obviously feel about you, but the fact that they're able to, you know, at their age, yeah, like notice their own feelings about things, like be able to articulate it as well. I mean, how old are they? They're thirteen. That's really impressive to have that kind of self awareness. That's pretty cool. You should toot that horn. Honestly, <laughs> that is a very tootable horn. So, <laughs> uh, Okay. The last question in this section is, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be? 
Like a superpower? You could have a superpower. I'm not going to say no to a superpower. Oh, I would I would love a superpower. I would love to fly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. So if I had to wake up and had the ability to fly, that would mm. be awesome. Or, you know, I've been studying a lot of healing techniques and things like that with COVID going on, and I would love to be able to just heal people. Yeah, that would be a, yeah, you'd be in high demand. That's for sure. Yes. Hmm. You know, I just, I hate to see kids suffer. That would yeah. be, you know, hmm. my first stop. Okay. The second section gets a little bit more personal. We're going to start uh, to, by talking about friendship. So what does friendship mean to you? Do your closest friends tend to be the people that you've known for a long time? Uh, do you have a lot of friends outside of poker? Or are they mostly in poker? Well, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. I guess I don't let a lot of people into my heart. Mm -hmm. I don't I really don't know why that is. So I have a couple extremely good friends in poker that have been around forever, you know, but I value my friends very, they're very close to me, very dear to me where, you know, I would accept all their faults no matter what they do. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a couple in, in poker, but I guess... You know, I just got in touch with a childhood friend that I haven't literally, I literally haven't been in touch with her for 30 years. Huh. And it was like, it was like we were, it was like it's time never passed. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. There was like no judgment, nothing, just mm -hmm. us being kids again. So I guess your childhood friends are probably you know, what really, what you're, who you're close to throughout your life. If you keep in contact with, I had a really large family, so I have a lot of cousins and, mm -hmm. and things that I've always been really close to. So maybe that's why I don't have that many friends because I have so many cousins, family that mm. I'm close to. Yeah. It's funny you say that about childhood friends as well, because I, having moved around so much from like Canada to England, to America, to Italy, to Slovenia, to Italy, um, I've just kind of, I've never really kept in touch with a lot of people. And then recently got in touch with someone who, again, yeah, like you said, I hadn't really spoken to in almost 30 years. There's something really special about people who knew you when you were a kid. And I don't know, I feel like we lose something of ourselves when we don't have contact with people from that time. And like you're saying, you have lots of family. So that's, you know, all your cousins and everything knew you back then too. But there's something really important about staying in touch with people who kind of knew who you were and where you came from. What do you think about that? I think, you know, you're, you're absolutely right because when like it's when you're kids, you're just, you're just living in the present. You're just there, mm -hmm. you know, you're not thinking about how to behave or how to act and will they like me or won't they like me and things like that. You're just, you're just, playing you're just there you're just doing whatever you want and you're just accepting that person too mm -hmm. i think that goes a long way in life yeah maybe getting in touch with that part of ourselves that lived that way you know reacted to people like that is 
maybe that's part of what's so, I don't know, has that nostalgic quality when I get in touch with someone I haven't spoken to in a, a million years. Hmm. And speaking of memory, the next question is about memory. Uh, what is one of your most treasured memories? One of my most treasured memories. It's it's got to be having my kids. Really? Wow, that's a painful memory. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's special. I'm not gonna lie. Of course it is, but I mean, did you have? Was it was it a pretty easy birth? I mean, yeah, it was a C-section, so mm -hmm. that's I mean, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my twins, their heads were in the rib cage and they weren't moving. Oof. So they yeah. were stuck where they were. So there was no way for a natural delivery. Right. Huh. Okay. So they just kind of handed them to you and you were like, cool, babies. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> and you remember it too, because my mind's pretty cloudy from that whole period. Yeah, it's, you know, childbirth isn't, isn't, um, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking more of like after I had them. Right, right, right. You know, they're just these little babies and you know, they're like, you instantly love them and they're in your arms. Mm -hmm. Then yeah. having them. Yeah, which is, you know, extreme and interesting, but the, the having them after they're there is a lot better than the actual having them having them in my opinion it was just really painful um okay uh another question mm -hmm. did you have a natural childbirth or i did yeah they had they induced me because i'm old and they didn't want me to go over my due date so they induced me and it was deeply unpleasant because it was in slovenia and I don't speak Slovenian. So I was in a hospital ward for 12 hours by myself in a room that was silent, just laboring alone, except for the two hours I think I had for a, a visiting hour. Or no, maybe even one hour with my husband. It was, it was weird. It was very, very weird. It was quite unsettling to be like completely alone in a silent ward with all these women just gritting their teeth in pain. It was it was a weird experience. I wouldn't do it again. That's for sure. <laughs> oh God! I mean, yeah, yeah. That that's got to be. Yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. And then they kept me for an extra day, so I was there for like three days, and I couldn't speak the language, like I say. So I I couldn't kind of figure out what was happening and everything. They just kept barking at me, and it was just. Yeah, it was not the most pleasant experience. And, you know, having just had a baby as well, I was slightly emotional. So I probably wasn't um, making it easier on them either. So, yeah. But I would still do it again. She's amazing. I would do it again. I'd probably just not be in a foreign country. I make things harder on myself for, for honestly, I don't even know why. I do this to myself constantly. It's like I can't do things the normal way. I have to turn up the the difficulty level to ridiculous before yeah, I don't know. I'm the same way. I actually bought this um, little saying that I have on my walls that says, may your trails be crooked and winding leading to the most amazing view. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to be pretty true, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I never walk a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> I always do the difficult way. And, you know, there's probably reasons for that. Yeah. Do you go by your gut or are you someone who plans things out? 
I I go by my gut always. Yeah. I'm not a planner. Yes, I yeah. definitely go by my gut. Yeah, same. That's probably why we have such crooked paths. But the view is it's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. Did you change that when you did have kids? Did you become more of a planner? Because I'm forcing myself into this planning kind of mode and it's unnatural for me, but I'm getting there. I can't say that I did. <laughs> it would be, you know, uh, uh, we were at uh, we were at a Mexican restaurant where you get your own drinks and my kids are, you know, it's that big soda machine and they there's a hundred selections and, you know, they know what they can't have. Mm-hmm. And they're they're taking forever to decide. And there's this parent there with uh, her cups waiting for them. <laughs> and then when they finally get their drinks, the parent, the mother turns to me and says, my kids have one choice, lemonade and lemonade, and walks away. And I'm like, ah. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your kids sound fun. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, um. You know, it, yeah, I'm not a planner. Like I said, you know, my kids, I homeschool them and we start at one in the afternoon, which is really, you know, it's not traditional to start at one in the afternoon, but they sleep late, they sleep in. And then this week we switched to school at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so basically now we're having school at midnight and that's definitely not traditional. <laughs> But if it works for them and you, then it works, I guess. Right. It's whatever works. And they seem to do better on their questions and, and their work. So, you know, they're, they're averaging this week and at 98%. (sighs) That's impressive. And you know what? They're probably learning how to adapt too. Like they're learning how to live in situations that are different rather than only knowing how to succeed when you're, you know, sitting down at 8 a.m. with your pencil and learning things by memory. I don't know. I think it's, there's something to be said for being able to just adapt to situations and move through the world, no matter what situ- situation you're in. And, and you know, that's, that's how I feel. I'm, you know, ad- adapting is, is extremely important. Mm-hmm. I mean, my son played soccer for a year in Rome. He, wow. um, he made the uh, academy for kids. And I think he tried out with 3,500 kids hmm. and eight kids. And we, uh, we had to figure out how we were going to do this, how mm-hmm. he spent a year in Rome and his twin brother wanted to stay here. So we basically, a good friend of ours, we were fortunate enough where he had just bought a different apartment. So he let us have his apartment. So we rented an apartment from him and me and their father went back and forth. So I, I went for six weeks and then I came home as their father, his father went for six weeks and we just kind of did it like that. Told my son, I said, you know, home isn't where you are, it's who you're with. Yeah. So home is just, uh, is just with your family, whatever that home may feel like. Mm -hmm. And 
So you, you could tell that he was, it was kind of weird an apartment and, and, you know, a different lifestyle. And, you know, he was living in Italy, going to school in Italy. And, hmm. and it wasn't that different for him because they spend their summers in Italy with their, you know, mm-hmm. with, with their father's family. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of different for him. So, mm-hmm. you, know, he, you know, he only had one parent for six weeks and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, I just told him home is, is who's around you and who loves you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had to adapt. And my yeah. other had to adapt being in, in Vegas, the same thing. You know, they yeah. had to be without his mom for six weeks, or then he had to be without his dad for six weeks. It was, it was a different time, but everybody did really well. Yeah. And they like, yeah, they probably learned that this is also how you have to make sacrifices to do things you want to do. Like if you're only going to see your mom for six weeks and then you're not going to see her for six weeks, that's a sacrifice for both of them, like both of your boys. Learning that that is kind of what it takes to do the things you really want to do is probably a lesson that's going to stand them in really good stead. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, yeah. it grows their emotional intelligence. Or- yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the last section of questions now. Um, if you and I were to become close friends, what is one thing I would need to know about you? Are there any deal breakers for friendship with you? You know, like the kind of person that just drives you crazy? Or I'm guessing someone who isn't kind to animals would probably be a massive deal breaker. I definitely stay away from people who aren't kind yeah. to animals, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I believe in honesty. Mm-hmm. And I believe in, you know, being real. Hmm. So if you're dishonest or shady or, you know, work on that spectrum of life, I kind of stay away from people like that. So if you're any of those, then we will never be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure I'm not, but it's probably something that someone else has to judge you about from the outside. So we'll leave it up in the air. Um, Have you ever been truly terrified Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was mugged at gunpoint mm. while I was living in LA, and that was very terrifying. Yeah. Three in the morning, I parked my car because we didn't have underground parking, and I was surrounded by four guys, and they put a gun to my head. Ugh. It's like I didn't even have a chance to get away. They were there. Did they know who you were? I don't think you were. There wasn't a lot of conversation going on. Yeah, I can imagine. They didn't ask for your autograph, so. Um, You know, it was, it was, it was terrifying. Yeah, that would be. That really would be. I think the whole ordeal lasted maybe a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, they just basically told me to give them their my purse, my car keys, and like patted me down and they were gone. Wow. So it it didn't last very long, but the after effects, you know, the post-traumatic stuff. Yeah, for sure. Six months after. Yeah, I can imagine. I think people discount how, how traumatic experiences like that can be when they haven't been through them. Like, obviously it's going to affect you afterwards for sure. Yeah. 
Well, what's the last time that you cried in front of someone or by yourself? Yesterday. <laughs> I cried. Same. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I just, you know, if I, I, you know, if I read a, I was on TikTok. Oh, no. <laughs> You're crying at TikTok. You know, watching this preemie, like my very preemie, probably born at 27 weeks. And the mother holding this preemie and crying, it just brings, it's already, it's bringing tears to my eyes right now. Yeah. Um, so I cry over everything. I cry happy tears. I cry sad tears. I cry every day. You know, my, my kids, you know, during a movie, if it's happy or sad, they'll, they'll like, look at me to see if I'm crying. No. No. That no matter what it is, I'll be crying. <laughs> All right. Well, thinking about the way that you're living now, I mean, not, not really so much about the virus, but just generally, even if there was no COVID right now, how you'd be living. If you knew you only had one year left, would you change anything about the way that you live? Uh, I would tweak it probably a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would probably see things that, you know, I'd take my kids on adventures mm -hmm. or, you know, in the world and let them see things and experience that through their own eyes. Yeah. I love to experience stuff through their eyes and how they see things in the world and and I would, I would take them places. Right. You know, yeah. And if they miss a year of school, they're learning way more, you know, you know, experiencing stuff to me. Yeah. And that's what I would basically do. I'd take the year off and spend every minute with my kids just doing adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, aside from your kids, what do you think is the greatest accomplishment of your life? Uh, probably, I, that's tough. Um, mm -hmm. I would say probably being the poker player that I am. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that... I really worked hard at poker. Still mm -hmm. working hard at it. And... Yeah, I'm a very determined person, and I would think that that would be my biggest accomplishment. Right. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, what, like, your poker career is incredibly impressive. And for someone like me who got into poker only in, you know, like 2005, I, I want to say 2005. I would have, I looked up to you as like this kind of like the Holy grail of, of poker. And yeah, when I think about your career, I do wonder like the big moments that stand out to you, what would those be? There's a lot of them. Obviously winning a WSOP bracelet. That's, that's a pretty big moment you know, grinding my way up to the biggest cash game yeah. ever and getting there. That's a big moment. Yeah. Being inducted into the hall of fame is a big moment because you have the respect of the peers that you've played with. So you, um, 
you know, you feel that you have some kind of accomplishments because they respect you and, and you always want to be respected by your peers. Mm-hmm. You know, poker is just basically you, me, myself, and I, and, and to have people acknowledge that you actually are a good player is, it feels good. Yeah. So those yeah. are, are, are big moments. You know, those are all big moments in poker. Hmm. Okay, one last question before we're done. Um, your house with everything that you own catches fire, but after saving all of your loved ones, all of your pets, you have time to make one final run in to save any one item. What would you save? Do I get help? Because I have this hope test. <laughs> you can have help. You can carry any heavy item. There's this hope chest that um, has all my memories, and that's what I would grab. So, like photos and letters and all of that. Yep, that's mm-hmm. that hope chest is my life. Right. It's like hmm. we um, rented a a place in L.A. because um, of work and things, and during. COVID, somebody went in there and moved everything out and brought it to Vegas hmm. and I told him the things that were important. And those are the things he left behind. Uh. And it was like the things like a recipe book from family recipes and recipes that my sister had written down for me because she had passed yeah. away. And these little liqueur glasses and beer mugs that my sister had purchased for me a while ago that I've been carrying around my entire life. <laughs> and those are the only two things. And, and I said, I don't care about anything else. You could have left everything else behind. You could have gutted the house, burned it on, like set it on fire. Oh. I don't Just those two things. And those are the only two things that were missing. Uh, did you get them eventually? Or oh, are they still I there? Them. I got them. I got them. Good. <laughs> <laughs> they were at a friend's house and then um my friend ended up coming to Las Vegas so mm. yeah you got to have those memories around it's so important i don't have very much from canada because i've moved too many times but i do have a few very key important things and funnily enough one of them is a it's a recipe book that my sister gave me when i graduated high school and was going to be living on my own and she inscribed the front page of it and it's covered in food and it's covered in burn marks. And yeah, I think yeah. I'm gonna, I would, I, I would, it would absolutely tear my heart out if I lost that. So yeah, I can, I can understand what you mean. Like it's, you know, I'm simple. It's the little things that I care about. Yeah. Well, yeah, they carry a lot of weight. Those simple things, they're really important. They carry a lot of weight. That's part of the reason I really wanted to talk to you for this podcast, because anytime we've actually been able to sit down and have a conversation, I've always really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I don't know, I wanted to ask you questions beyond hand histories (laughs) so everybody could kind of hear that. (laughs) So thank you for doing this. I know that um, it's not the usual poker interview and it's a little bit more on the personal side. and, And I really appreciate you. Yeah. Being so open. Thank you, Karen. I enjoyed myself. So thank you for this. Oh, I'm glad. Well, next time, hopefully, um, if I ever get back to Vegas, if the world ever gets back to uh, some kind of normal, I would love to take you out for another drink. And yeah, and we can actually have a nice chat. (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be great. 
I would love that. Thanks. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I hope you all enjoyed getting to know one of the most significant figures in poker from a totally new angle. And I'm going to see you all next time on The Heart of Poker. Poker.